Saludo mi gente. Welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, the podcast where we deconstruct the illusion and unleash the fabulosity. I'm your host, Gohenna Angelique, your fierce neurodivergent Juyurican poet and an advocate for decolonial liberation. So get ready to dive into the messy, uncomfortable, and transformative work of dismantling the systems of oppression and the limiting beliefs that hold us back. We're here to reclaim our power, embrace our magic, and rise into fabulosity. So grab your cafe, your te, I don't know, maybe you need a shot, and let's get into some fuckery. Saludo mi gente, welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, episode 12, I believe. Um, at this point, I'm like, I believe just because I don't think, actually, you know what, I'm going to double check just to, for my own, my own, um, yeah, okay, 12. So this, it's interesting because I was like, I'm trying to be mindful with how how to hold the texture of the both and during these seasons and times and the great challenge that there is with that unequivocally there aren't other words for it there is a great freaking challenge and one of the things that I'm finding incredibly uh, powerful is the slowdown and I wrote about this in 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 Substack um, you know, trying to tap in and to be much more mindful for myself, right? Like this, I'm speaking from my person. Um, and again, you know, I say this all the time. I speak from the eye. That's that I have consent to talk about my, my story, right? Uh, so I try my best in that way um, to be mindful and also recognizing that I'm in constant conversation with others and with so many things, right? Not just humans. And I was, I was, <laughs> I was, you, you know, trying to really sense into what would be most generative to talk about in this podcast that is not, you know, heavy dose on, um, you know, just the, the density of everything that's going on. Because I think that there is a lot of it already available, information, disinformation, misinformation, all of the things. It's literally you're getting bombarded from every direction. Um, and so, you know, part of our experience as humans is that part of this is necessary in terms of coming to the awareness of what's going on and being grateful that we do have ways of having an idea of what's happening in other parts of the world and simultaneously you're we're in at, we're at the mercy of the people telling the stories and whether they're their proximity to an experience or not and so I wanted to be really mindful in this podcast and so I my urging was to talk about the parts we play and or your part right and then I was like, well, maybe that might be a little too dense. So I said, you know what, let me let me call in some support. So I consulted some of my Oracle deck, uh, one of my Oracle decks. And and literally the card that came out was about um, your part in the divine plan. And I was like, well, it looks like we're talking about that. That's what we're talking about today. So we're going to talk about your part in the divine plan. And, you know, I think that... 
if you're the type of person who tends to be more, much more of a skeptic or a cynic or, you know, has a hard time with this idea of divine plans and all of that stuff, then shift the, the, um, shift the, uh, oh my gosh, the word's escaping me anyways, but you know, shift the, the paradigm to fit what you believe, shift the, the example to fit what you believe. Um, if it's, if it's helpful, you may just decide that you don't want to hear anything I have to say. So, uh, it was nice talking with you and have a great day. Um, but if you're staying, I want to invite you to just a possible consideration of the things that I'm saying, right? You could take it or leave it that you're a grown ass person. I trust that if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. If it doesn't make sense to you, whatever the case may be, you are in your right, um, to take it or leave it. Right. And so, I want to name that. And then now I'm going in. So one of the pieces about this idea of parts is because I think about the way that we, uh, when things are really heightened and we want to respond to what's happening, um, it is challenging. And here's what I want to say. I don't particularly have this experience in terms of I, I had to come to peace, to centeredness, to wholeness a long time ago with the idea really integrating the process of whatever I was presently doing is worship. And, and I love to say it in this way because um, one of my uh, sisters and or sisters and, and teachers and just fellow priestess uh, we were talking about, uh, she sent me the definition of worship in Hebrew and I thought it was so powerful, just so powerful to understand that everything becomes worship when you're committed to the bringing in the new, when you're committed to dismantling, to deconstructing, to shaping the world from a place of wholeness and what I mean by wholeness. And it's so interesting to think about this because I think that we, in, in our desire to give each other hope and our desire to give each other connection, to offer these things to each other, we somehow have equated, whether it's peace or whether it's hope or whatever the, the orientation that draws us to a future, to something that we consider to be better, we often equate that with everything being perfect, with everything being right, like and so for me, a long time ago, I struggled so deeply. And this is back when I was uh, in my active mothering cycle and season, you know, because I was so committed to caring for my home and caring for my children and showing up in that way that there were moments that I would feel a certain type of way if I wasn't engaged in like really radical activism that was like out there in the struggle, right? Um <laughs> And discovering that, well, one, um, my actual nervous system, although I trained as, um, as like, a, oh goodness, I forgot what it's even called. It's like a crisis, uh, herbal type of medic. Um, I, I did some training on that because I wanted to be resourced in case of emergencies and actions and things like that and protest, um, knowing that the time to come as we continue to embody and, and bring in a world that is equitable and just, uh, 
shit was going to go down and that the shit that was going to go down, I wanted to be ready for from, you know, harm, uh, people experiencing harm and wounds, etc. And so having said that, I early on realized that my nervous system, while I am very good in crisis, do not get it twisted. You do not survive the amount of things I have and I'm not develop a... Um, a capacity for being able to have a level head during crisis. Um, <laughs> I mean, that can go both ways. But anyways, uh, in my family and where I come from, that's the tendency for the most part. At least my mom was like that. Um, you know, whenever shit was going down, it was just a very like, there wasn't a space to center yourself and there wasn't a space to, excuse me, to kind of lose your shit. You lost your shit after in the bathroom, in a private moment. Of course, that's when your adrenaline's coming down and all of those things. And so for me, I realize that while I have been trained in crisis, by crisis, uh, in the school of crisis, it, the impact on my nervous system is actually quite detrimental. And and that in so many ways, when you come from a lot of trauma and you've survived and, and you're, re, you, you're recovering, I think that the, it's a lifelong, like active process of, of healing. Um, you learn about yourself that you are, that the human psyche, while extraordinarily resilient, powerful, whatever words you want to use, um, y'all know how I feel about resilience sometimes. Um, it does have our, our bodies, our finite, our, you know, our lifeline here in this time, in this physical form is finite. And so is our energy, right? It's like we renew these things and we renew the resources, but they do take a toll on you and they do have an impact. And so for me, I had to early on make peace with the idea that what I was tending to what was before me was as equally impactful as any other part I could play. And I think that it's important to talk about how we perceive our roles, especially when we have now in this moment, right? Uh, it is October 18th and, you know, there's still so much going on in Gaza. There's still much, so much going on in Israel, Palestine, right? Like, there's so much Palestine, Israel, however you, right? Like it's whatever your perception, et cetera, that's your relationship. Um, and, you know, let, don't, let's not get all twisted in a knot about it in terms of you have to do your, your work. We all have to do our work to inform ourselves, to educate ourselves in order to have a perspective and simultaneously recognizing that unless we're living in the experience of, unless we're actually GPS in the place of, um, you know, our sharing thoroughly, our opinions uh, become really challenging. So I always hold that in this conversation and in any conversation. And so with so much going on in the world and so much happening with Ukraine and Russia, like we, there's, and this is not, you know, it is not a new thing. We're not the first or the last generation. And, and I, as with all things, my deepest hope is that we would have a peace that looks like no more war, no more violence, no more pain. 
until that time and until that moment, our strategy, our movement must be with an extraordinary amount of discernment and wisdom. And learning the part you play, being anchored and grounded in who you are and what you're here for, if you have that as a mindset or not, uh, another way to language this is your purpose, what you perceive to be your purpose or, you know, whatever the thing is, being clear about that is monumental in these times because of the level of noise. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but there's so much out there. There's so much coming at you. There's so much demand for action. There's so much demand for, you know, doing something now that there is going to be people who are actually, you know, the aligned people for the particular work. And then there's going to be people feeling guilty about not stepping into that and then randomly stepping into work that they're actually not equipped for or have the capacity for, right? And so finding your part in this is going to be really important because your part is not separate from what you are or have been doing as a human being, right? Not a human doing, a human being. And so examining to your, for yourself, to yourself, for yourself and being able to honor what and where and who and when and why is extraordinarily important. Activism in America, hello, in America, in Turtle Island, actually, right? Um, is very interesting, messy, trendy, um, has changed over time to be much more expressive. You know, and we're grateful for that, right? Like when we think about the, the mountainous people taking to the streets um, and being able to voice concerns and perspectives, you know, we have so much going on. And with that equal measure of visibility comes an enormous amount of fuckability, you know, like just an, just an enormous amount of fuckery when people's emotions are heightened, when people's trauma is activated, ancestral or otherwise, when the demand and the call is so great, you're going to find people actually who are not well resourced to take on, like, you know, being in a vigil for hours or walking for hours. And while there's an enormous amount of, um, you know, um, uh, recognition that one can give to a sacrifice made in the name of equity and justice, we have to begin to really integrate a long-term analysis, a long-term perspective. And why I'm saying that and what I mean by that is that as a priestess and as a healer, as somebody who's grown up um, with I, I have a story for days, right? Recognizing that the journey, however long you're on this earth in this physical form, justice and equity, peace and all of those wonderful things, it's a healing, it's a long journey. And I think of the difference between stamina and burnout. Now, for myself, as uh, being someone who has been going through an extraordinary amount of things, and especially in these past couple of years that have really had an impact on my stamina, an impact on my 
capacity in different ways because I was already taxed out with my capacity due to other things, there's this recognition of being able to say to myself, oh, actually, the actual capacity I have for something is this, that, or the other. So I'm going to find ways to ensure that I have stamina, longevity, and that I'm supporting longevity rather than just crisis. I was going to say rather than crisis, but crisis is going to come up. And so the hyper-focus on just crisis can be very challenging. And what's really fascinating to me is that we do this in many other ways in our society where we're like, you know, um, we do that teach a man a fish versus, you know, give a man a fish or teach a man a fish, right? So that he can feed himself for a lifetime. And then I love the extra move toward uh, uh, an an alternative of that particular quote that I came across when I was doing social enterprise work and that it was you know, you don't just, don't just give a man a fish. Don't just teach a man a fish, revolutionize the fishing industry, like revolutionize the entire construct, right? Dismantle it, deconstruct it, create something alternative. The work of all of the things you fucking name it. It's a long list. Um, (laughs) whether we're talking about climate, whether we're talking about interpersonal, personal, communal is going to require a long vision, not a short one not just the immediate one. And if you are committed to healing the world and to being part of this uh, equation of the work that needs to be done, then you, our mindset needs to be one of being trained for a marathon and not a sprint. And that when people only have capacity for sprints, then we are able to create a way of having that operate I, you know, to my mind, it comes, uh, two things come to mind. When I think about that, I think about the actual like running, right? Where people are sprinting and they're running, which is, this is where we get it from, right? These short bursts of, um, speed. And then I think about, uh, when folks are trying to get their organizations, um, uh, organized in behind the scenes, they use a sprinting system, which means that people are working concentrated in a particular role for a certain amount of time. Then they take a break, check where they're at, et cetera. A very beautiful way of, you know, organizing productivity, all of those things. And so it's kind of the same thing. It is really, really important that if you're committed to the work of healing and if you're committed to the work of change, that we're actually looking at what the stamina is looking like, how do we resource that? How do we respect, acknowledge, and support those who may not have the the marathon stamina, but may have the sprint stamina, right? And that in that we're able to create really dynamic resource systems of connection so that one person or one area is not getting burnt out and taxed out before the, the long haul of change. And I wish change would happen immediately. I wish it would just, I wish the minute the streets filled with change, people wanting change, screaming, demanding change, I wish it would happen. And we're not there yet. We're at, we live in constructs and structures dominated by um, an energy that is ancient in its way of operating. So it means we've been dealing with colonialism. We've been dealing with all of these things for a really long time. 
we ourselves in Turtle Island or who live on Turtle Island have, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to go down that tangent, but there's a lot of dissonance with folks wanting to move things at a rate that they have not even participated in surrendering here because there's so many questions and so many layers, you know, like as someone who migrated, to, whose family migrated to this land for a better life, et cetera, et cetera, all the tropes, right? Uh, where would I go if the island that the more immediate, right, like connection that I have to Borinquen, El Borinquen is not even sustainable for our own communities there. And there are struggles that are very deep with health of so many layers, right? So that doesn't absolve me from if I wanted to go back home, I can go back home, right? But I think of all the ways in which a lot of colonial mentality is still in operation and we're all participating in it. And so when we're able to look at the long journey of this decolonial process, this long journey of removing things from a mental or academic mindset into an actual embodied process, we learn that, you know, it's interesting to think about if we use the metaphor, if we run with the metaphor of running and we, and I don't know enough about it because I do not run because I cannot imagine that, but who knows? You never, you never know, right? Things change. But that in this idea of taking on a marathon or taking on something that's going to require longevity or stamina, that means I'm going to take breaks. That means I'm going to hydrate. That means I'm going to make sure that I have the right sneakers on. That means I'm going to make sure that I've been practicing and building my stamina. That means I'm going to need to have a bathroom break. That means, that means, that means, that means in order to actually complete the marathon, which I'm so grateful that we have these sports, right? Or these like things, you know, Iron Man or whatever, right? Iron person. I don't even know what it's really called in that way, but where they show you like in order for you to move through all these different elements, in order for you to do these things, you actually need to be, have been going through a, pros a process of building up your stamina, your capacity, whether it's your lung capacity, your muscle capacity, whatever it is, which requires an entire life change and mindset change about you, your body, your food, et cetera, right? If, we're, if we understand that, I'm actually going to hit up my coffee while I'm talking to you. If we understand that and we watch that and we admire that, what the fuck do you think we're supposed to be doing with the world we're living in and with the way we perceive activism or the way we perceive... Um, you know, doing what we do or what we love to do in the ways we love to do it. There's no way that in any time, this time or any other for that matter, that our perception of change is going to be actually uh, generative for the humans inside of it if we are not being conscious or strategic about how we're moving. There are moments where you need to be boom on it, right? You know that that's going to happen. So I'm not talking about those moments. I'm not talking about the moments that only action, right? I'm talking about the moments in which if I'm going to decide to do something, I actually have the power to decide to do it and I want to be a part of doing it or I feel some sort of, you know, connection to doing it. That means that it changes the way we're perceiving anything you're doing, whether you're 
you know, on track to, to a training or becoming ordained or whatever the thing is that you're believing your part here in the world is, you're going to go through a preparation process. So when we think about these particular crises as war and stuff like that, right? We know that this is not the first or the last. And I know that sometimes it can be very scary for people to hear this. I don't like saying it and I cannot not say it, right? Like that thing. I, we're here in Turtle Island under a very strange perception that that is not going to come and knock on our doors at the massive scale that it's knocking on everybody else's doors, which is really fascinating. I know that for some people who tend to lean toward military stuff will put their faith and their hope in that. Um, and then for those who are not into that ideology, um, you know, don't imagine it. But either way, whatever your perspective on that is or your belief on that is or your, you know, all the things, um, I think it's important that we actually take into consideration one. Uh, well, let me not number it, but here's what I want to say. I want to say the different areas, we want to begin to consider how we're living in our lifestyles, right? Now, some people go all the way to the self-sufficient, and I'm grateful for those people because they model to us what's possible in terms of agency, in terms of, right, like being able to hold your own. But I also want to recognize that without communities, it's really hard without having connections, without having people in which you have agreements with or have uh, access to more resources than you do. It's going to be important that you begin to think about how you would handle if and when those things come and knock on our door. Furthermore, now this is deeper I'm moving into our internal like really learning to anchor deeply into the clarity of what you're here to do, the part that you play, so that when moments happen, you're not just running off without considering layers of things that are necessary, um, running off and blowing out your own capacity in an attempt to be of service, then the stamina is actually burnt out. There's nothing available to anyone because everybody's burnt out because everybody was in the same thing, right? And so what I mean by that is like everybody was at the action. Well, who was caring for the children? Well, the children were at, were at the action. Okay, who was feeding who, right? And we see that a lot in, in, in really uh, powerful expressions of community, powerful expressions of movement, there are people that are able to care for all these aspects in, in really solid movement work that is thinking in terms of uh, sustainability, long-term sustainability, you have people really becoming aware of, you know, for some people, what's at their capacity, what's at is to write a letter, to lick a stamp, to fill in the blank. And I think that this is an important thing to actually begin to consider as we continue to move forward and things continue to unfold in the world is actually being clear about what your capacity is. If you are the type of person, for example, I, and I was recently talking about this, I went to see Oppenheimer. I think I, sh I talked about this on a, on a podcast uh, episode, right? Well, not that recently, but anyways. I went and <clears throat> I try to stay away from watching movies like that. And the reason why I try to stay away from watching anything that is going to 
graphically put on screen the enormity of human decisions, it is very difficult for me. Now, when I was younger, I would, you know, it was almost one of those things where, and I have this as a personal practice, I don't look away, right? Because I know what it feels like for for people to be in a situation and people look away because they can't endure the pain. Meanwhile, you're in the experience of it. And so I'm, I'm committed not to not looking away. And while I don't look away, I understand and I'm very clear that due to my life experience, I'm not speaking meta here, due to my life experience, it is very challenging for my system when I see things so visually because what happens for me is that my heart, it just feels like it's shattering in a million pieces. It literally blows out, dysregulates my system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In the past, I would have laughed at the idea that I understood that or even thought that because it was so important to be in the action of things. Having said that, I've become much more aware that, you know, for example, when I went to see Oppenheimer um, in the theater with my kids, I left that theater like bawling. I was hysterically bawling, not because I've never seen war, not because it, it, it is the layered level of complex of our human complexity and to witness the extraordinary amount of life lost is always heart shattering if you let it in. And if you don't let it in, then it doesn't do that to you. And so knowing and being mindful of where you're at, what your capacity, your physical capacity, your mental capacity, your emotional capacity, there are so many ways to connect to the work. There are so many ways to show up and do things that do not have to be the way everyone is doing or the way certain people are doing it. I know folks who are very committed to, I call it the rah-rah, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. They're just like, they, in, they not, I don't want to say enjoy, but their systems are suited for that type of adrenaline intensity all the time. Um, and for me, that I cannot stay there all the time. And so I need to look at the areas of my life where I need to replenish, nourish, and keep anchored, and then look at where can I make connections, where can I be effective, effective, impactful, not just adding to the noise, not just starting up shit, not none of that, just effective. What does that mean? It means that when I'm looking at something or when I'm looking at becoming part of something, contributing to, I'm looking at the impact it has in real time and longevity. I'm looking sustainable future as well. I'm looking at if I am participating in this or supporting this, how is this actually creating change, creating impact? I'm very mindful so that I can put my energy fully into that. And for example, as a poet, what is powerful? I cannot say that poetry is not powerful now. You're going to get you're going to get out of this moment an extraordinary amount of art that is going to be an expression of the horror, an expression of the beauty, an expression of the pain, an expression of what's possible still, right? 
but we also have to be here now. We also have to be with the, what is happening with witnessing the level of pain, right? We're here now, we're experiencing somatically as a, as a collective, the pain our siblings in other parts of the world are experiencing, right? And so really taking the time. And for some people, this may not jive, right? You may be like, this is not a time to stop and take the time. Okay, go on with it then, right? Like go on with it. That's a, that is a decision that you are making for yourself. When you step into that container, you are able to negotiate for what you're willing to put in, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to do or not do, engage in or not engage in. And in the same place, in the same right, so do others, right? And my thing is, I want the long game because the long game is going to ensure that things don't happen again. The short game is just going to give us reactive results that nobody's going to stay around to maintain. And you see this a lot in a very micro way when you ask for a law to be changed, but then the one law changes and comes the next president and they undo what the fuck the last one did. You see it over in all societies over time when you have people knee-jerk reacting to something that is not established and does not have the power behind it to ensure it that it endures, it actually becomes a very harmful dynamic. And so we want the both and we want people that are good at reaction and crisis. Boom, 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 boom. We want the sprinters. We want the, no, well, depending, right? We want the long-term people. We want both and, and we want to find our places and our parts in that without judgment, without needing to uh, drag each other in the streets for shit, Right. It makes no sense to me that there would be even more heightened violence on this, on, you know, in this context where we're at, if what we're looking at is violence unbridled. That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me to to look at my siblings. And I mean this in this very like collective way. And I don't mean the collective way as in like, I like everybody. Put that down. Let that shit go. You're not going to like everybody, but everybody has humanity. And deciding and understanding what it means to have that and what it means to maintain it and what it means to treat it as precious, what it means to respect it while understanding that we have differences is, is to me one of the building blocks of a world that is entirely different. And so being able to actually consciously, not unconsciously, decide for the path that we're choosing, we feel called to, et cetera, and responding to that becomes powerful. Not turning on ourselves, not turning on each other becomes powerful. And this is where, you know, sometimes this shit is hard because it's like that whole like, you know, holding hands type of unification moment. Yes, anybody knows that when shit hits the fan, it is not the time to be about your bullshit. It's actually the time to come together, even when you have differences, to, to understand how can we move forward to create change or to bring resource, whatever the thing may be. And so what I want you to do, and my hope for this podcast, is really to offer you the permission slip, not that you need it, the space, 
you you need that right at the moment to actually reflect on what is most effective what is your most effective offering based on your actual capacity if you get to decide to respond you see this is the difference that i think people are skipping over which is interesting to me because crisis and emergencies you're usually in the in the corridor of that and do not have a choice if you are outside of it, if you're choosing, you're like, tomorrow I'm going to an action. Oh, you have a choice. That's a choice you're making to go versus being in the crisis and there isn't a choice, so there's only reaction. And because you have been afforded the preciousness of a choice in this moment, it is important for you to choose the thing that will allow you to support the work more effectively and most effectively, rather than the heroic hurrah that some folks fall into patterning where, you know, it sounds good that you're out there walking with a sign. It's really fascinating. To, I saw a picture and I was like, mind your business, um, because it was a group of people protesting, the people holding the sign at the front of the march or whatever it was, were like, you know, talking to each other, smiling and laughing and, and carrying on. And my judgment is not for the carrying on, but <laughs> it is a time of mourning and great pain. It's a time of being somber. And so if you're going to take up doing something, align yourself energetically with the texture of the moment and also the actual thinking out of the long-term process. For some people, it's going to be putting money into the, you know, into a fund that's helping support people with all the things that are necessary for other people it's showing up to you know demand fill in the blank from the government for other people it's actually you know writing the poem for other people it is creating space for the conversations that some people need to have in order to process all that's coming up for some people it's taking the tea or the soup to someone who's nervous system is shot and whose system is shutting down because they have loved ones that are suffering. We all have a part and a piece to hold in this collective change and this idea of collective peace and transformation, this idea of love, um, that all the things that are very real. So taking the time to think much more strategically, how do you take breaks? How do you take a moment? And this is something that for me, over the years, and I mean years, long time, learned like to be really attuned to the moment and what is necessary. Does somebody need me to tap in so they can tap out? Does somebody need a massage or energy work? Does somebody need uh, just to be held? Does somebody need to be fed? Right? Like what in the moment is necessary to be responsive to that? And the ways that you can offer that is possibly one of the most powerful things you can do. To send care packages or send love notes to people you know, friends you know, that are directly in the experience of this, what it means. I also think of now the way that um, the both and for Palestinians here in, the, in Turtle Island and for Jews in Turtle Island, we're all on high alarm. There's stuff going on. There are incidents of anti-Semitism 
and, you know, all of the things going down. And how do we care for each other here now? How do we become mindful of ourselves and others? And so for me, and I'm saying that from this place, right? Like, let me sip my coffee. Hold on. I'm saying that from this place of recognizing wherever you're located in your work in the world. So some of you may be leaders of organizations or fill in the blank of congregations or communities. And so your position is different. That means that your level of care, your level of grounding and anchoring. This is why I did the video of a grounding meditation. You're welcome to check out my YouTube or go into my Substack, right? Where it's like, oh, actually, hold on a moment. Let's, let's, let's anchor in, let's ground in so that as we're moving through, we're resourced enough to be sustainable. And so that means that for your rabbis, your, your reverends, your clergy, your first responders, all of those things, those who are not actively in those roles get to say, Hey, is there any way I can support or just stepping in to offer the support if you know exactly how you can support. Because sometimes it's really difficult in the middle of chaos to ask what is needed. So it may just be much more helpful to bring the person a meal. It may, it may be just much, for, much more helpful to tend to uh, arranging things. It may be more helpful to offer support and checking, is that person's rent paid? Is that, are that person's bills set? Is there any way, any other way that I can offer my hand at their back as they're moving through this? Because I may be positionally in a different place, right? There may not be so many demands. As a priestess, I'm aware of what happens when we're in service and it would be great that somebody sends you some meals. It's great that in the middle of crisis, chaos, or grief and mourning, that somebody's tending to the minutia of life so that you can rest and restore. It may be that you need to send, you can send them, I don't know, earbuds, right? Like so that they can listen to something and have a quiet, whatever the thing is figuring out ways that you can offer support if your constitution, your capacity, or your life is limited in certain ways and you want to contribute, you want to offer something. Finding out the different ways that you can step into that becomes powerful and effective versus, excuse me, stepping out without clarity, without strategy into into the chaos and this is so important this is how we have folks whose energetic capacity of leadership is so powerful because as a leader that my first thoughts are to like okay what's coming in what's going out how do we get this moving in a way that the needs are being met and in the moment the resource is there I don't have the space to be thinking about all the other things that get really small in comparison and so to know that there are people out there putting themselves in positions or are put in positions in which they must serve at a larger level, then it asks of us or whoever is in support to really look into what actually would be supportive, what would be powerful, how can we stand in a place of supporting what is most effective and what is most uh, strategic. And the reason why I use those words, they're intentional. And they're intentional because... 
I've seen way too many messy, messy environments, people uh, not actually thinking clearly. It causes more challenge, more harm, more chaos, more confusion. You know when things are actually, um, when you have the right person in a position of influence, when things are actually, it's clear, where do we put food? Where do we do this? Where do we do that? Because it's not just one person. It may be the one person who may be the spokesperson or whatever, but there's a group of a team of people who are clear about their space and are not fighting like children over who gets to be special are not they're not about the bullshit it's not centered in self it's actually centered in collective and when that is organized in a way that is most effective it is most impactful and so allowing yourself that permission the last thing I want to say about all of this the last thing is that if you're finding yourself that you don't have the capacity to engage in some of the actions or in some of the things that are going on in the world, all across the world, I want to invite you to do what you need to do to care for yourself and to actually step into a deeper regulating and co-regulating so that you're able to not wind up at the end of something so wiped out that you can't hold anything. You can't hold faith. You can't hold hope. You can't hold enough energy to make it through a day. You can barely wash your ass. The list goes on what happens when our systems start to shut down. And I mean our physical systems, our psyche systems, our spiritual systems. And so please prioritize that care for yourself. And if you need support and assistance in that, then reach out and get support and assistance. No one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to step into that level of conscious agency, conscious strategy, except you. And also recognizing the amount of support you actually have in real time is really important because if you don't have a solid support system, then I'm going to use the language I tend to use. You can't cash that check. You're writing a check you actually can't cash. That is going to be much more detrimental in the long term. And in the long term, if you don't have a good support system now, your, your shit's going to flail out. And I know that there's many ways that for me, myself, I experience that, right? Where I may have been doing something or being of service in a way, but when I've been burnt out, which I'm still recovering from that, the places where my energy goes needs to be in a place where it's there's reciprocity and it's generative otherwise it wipes me out and there's you know nobody here when the fridge is empty and or there's about the door is going to get knocked on because the rent needs to be paid because you have to have enough people that know your life on a personal level and sometimes some of us don't have that in that way. And sometimes some of us do and our own people don't have to help us with in that way. So I want you to be mindful about that because the aftermath, the generational aftermath and the aftermath in very literal real time is something that that's usually when all the dust dies down, everybody retreats back to their corners. And that is, I would venture to say, more so when we still need the next layer of support, the next layer of people, the next layer, right? It should not end, but it does because people get tapped out in the 
urgent crisis moment that they don't think about aftermath and what it's going to take to rebuild or what it's going to take to restore, resource, all of the things. So that is what I wanted to say. I hope this has been a blessing for you. I hope it has deeply nourished and encouraged you. And if you feel like your eye twitched at something, go ahead, go, go for a walk, take that out. You don't have to take what you don't feel is for you. And I also offer that if there's a possibility that something did hit and you need to shift your mindset or you need to shift your way you're moving about it, then do so for your own sake and for the collective sake. A while you, a generative you, especially so many of us with, you know, chronic illness and things like that, as well as we're going to be in as, as, you know, generative as things are going to be, it's really important for you to take care of yourself in this process because it'll allow you to be of service longer. So this is what I have to say for today's episode of Dismantling the Fuckery. Uh, May we find compassion for one another. May we, uh, those who have tended to be self-oriented, orient externally to others and those who have tended to be other-oriented, learn with compassion to turn to self and inward, both and, both and, both and, both and. Blessings, shalom as a verb to you, and if you are needing support in any way that I can be of service, you can book a session with me, you can schedule a session with me. If you don't have resource to pay for a session or for some reason fill in the blank, then shoot me an email, not a DM, my friend. Shoot me an email. And if you, if, if this is something that feels aligned for you and you just want to step into a healing portal, then I offer that. If you don't have the resource to uh, reciprocate in terms of money, let me know and I'm here for it. And if you do have the resource and you do have money as a resource to share, then what I want to offer is Maybe you can purchase a session for somebody. Maybe you can step into offering somebody or many people, if you can, uh, healing sessions and book, you know, send them, offer a gift card of a healing session that's available for folks as well. So sending you with the deepest love, compassion, and devotion, uh, your priestess, your cone, Angelique. Hasta luego, mi gente. Bueno, mi gente. Thank you for joining me on this wild and liberating journey of dismantling the fuckery. Remember, we are the architects of our own liberation. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your people. Do all the things. You know what it takes for us to keep these frequencies rolling. Together, we will transform the world from a place of fuckery into a realm of unapologetic fabulosity. Stay fierce, my loves, stay fabulous, and keep dismantling. And if you want me or need me, yes, you heard me say that right, you know where to find me at priestessingliberation.com. Nos vemos ahorita. Adios.